Hello and welcome. This is a podcast explaining Ukraine by ukraineworld.org. Today we are going to talk about the feeling of people who are coming back to the houses, to the towns that have been destroyed by the war. What they see and and what, what is their experience. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko. I'm chief editor of ukraineworld.org. We are making this podcast with Tetyana Harkova, who is in charge of international outreach of, of Ukraine Crisis Media Center. This is our typical uh, Explaining Ukraine podcast and uh, our series about the war which Russia unleashed against Ukraine. Before we start, let me remind you that you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash ukraineworld. We spent a big uh, portion of your support to help those people who are uh, who are affected by this war and to help Ukrainian resistance. Hello, Tanya. Hello. So uh, we have visited Borodyanka, a village, a town near Kiev, which which saw uh, severe fights in March. And uh, a lot of things that we have seen, uh, basically, they're, they're, of course, very, very difficult, very, very dramatic, very tragic. We have seen destroyed housing. We have, we have seen people who lost their homes, people who lost their their, uh, their, their relatives, right? What, what are your impressions from this visit? Uh, well, let us uh, put that in the context, that Borodyanka situated is in the north of Kiev Oblast, Kiev region, and it's a small, let us say, village, because before the war there were 16,000 people in, inside this uh, village, and nowadays, what we observe now, they say maybe seven, up to eight, maybe thousand people are in place. Paradyanka was bombarded, maybe one of the most destroyed uh, localities in close to Kiev, because it was bombarded by from the planes in the beginning of March, starting maybe in the end of February as well. Because Russian troops, they received a kind of a very severe, very strong resistance on the ground. And uh, Bardenka is a village, but they have multi-story buildings. Mm, inside, maybe t- not thousands, maybe hundreds of, of them inside. And many of these buildings were completely destroyed. So when you see it, like you see in Kharkiv, in Saltivka, you see a multi-story building which is completely destroyed and damaged by this shelling. Um, and um, people, what we were impressed by the by a lot of people inside the village. When you enter, the first thing you see is are kids. So kids are everywhere, babies. Uh, I don't know, toddlers, uh, all ages, in fact. So kids, children uh, seem to enjoy their life, to enjoy the summer. We are in summer, so they are swimming, they are playing, their camps organized by volunteers. Um, even if only one school survived this uh, Russian attack, they had three schools before the war and one musical school, music school. And this music school is completely destroyed. There's nothing left. And two other schools, they are somehow damaged and only one is intact, so it could be used for starting from September because the school year um, is going to begin, what officials say now. So uh, this uh, a very... Uh, it's very impressive to see children in that place and some hundred meters from children you see these destroyed buildings, playgrounds, private homes. Um, those who are watching us, uh, those who are listening to this podcast in 
in audio on SoundCloud, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podca- podcasts. Remember that we are also making videos. We post these videos of, of our visits of these uh, surroundings, neighborhoods uh, on our Twitter, Twitter Ukraine World, but also we have YouTube version of our podcast, so you can find it on, on the YouTube channel of Ukraine World. Uh, and indeed, these uh, these buildings, which are uh, actually very well known in Ukraine, one of the re- one of the symbols of this of this Russian destruction, these nine floor buildings. I think that there are several of them. Nine and, and, and five floor. Buildings yes, well. and um, and imagine if you haven't seen them, imagine a building in which a central part. So the, there are, for example, three parts of the building. The central part has completely collapsed completely collapsed and uh, the initial uh, videos that we have seen after these bombings and there were really airstrikes and Russians uh, threw sent uh, 500 kilogram bombs on these buildings and people of course civilians were hiding in the basements but uh, many of them of course did not survive unfortunately and uh, just 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 imagine you are just uh, throwing uh, a 500 kilogram bombs on a residential building with nine floors and with with uh, hundreds of apartments. And this is w- what happened. This is what happened. And why is it important? Because it happened in the very beginning of this Russian invasion. So this was an act of revenge, in fact. We asked many people why, what was the reason. It was no military target for, for these planes. Why they bombarded normal uh, residential area and the response we get, we got was about that this is it was a revenge against people against civil civilians so the ukrainians who were under occupation they asked russian soldiers why did you do that and russian soldiers replied them well this is revenge for your resistance we lost we, we lost our guys so it was a revenge so and this happened in the first days really in the, during the first week and maybe second week of this invasion so this is important to for for future for just just to, to know that this is not a side effect and no fact that they for example they didn't have a proper missile on the not not very technical one it was they were aware of what they were doing and it was numbers conscious yeah, bombing yeah. from the areas. yeah and what we know that the number of victims uh, they officially they say about uh, um, 208 people died killed in Borodyanka only but these are people whose bodies were identified found and identified and buried but some people say then when such a bomb is such a bomb is uh, domain on, on your in your building so maybe you will not find bodies so you, you never know how many people uh, how many people are died there one per, one person told us that uh, when you enter an a building of this uh, an apartment of this uh, multi-floor buildings after the airstrike and after the big fires you just enter the apartment and the only thing you you see is a big thick layer of ash so everything which was inside including furniture books uh, I don't know maybe chairs people. and people maybe people and maybe people. pets yes people pets living creatures they were burned and they turned into this thick multi-centimeter layer of ash 
This is also this. And reality. the problem is that let's let's also make a difference between what we've seen in Brovary region. When you visit villages and you see private homes destroyed, you understand that it maybe it will take maybe one year, maybe two years to, to, to reconstruct these private and this is a tragedy for only one family. But when you see this multi story building, I don't know, of hundreds of families living inside and it it will be it, there is no way to reconstruct these buildings there is only way to destruct them and to rebuild something completely new maybe in that place maybe somewhere away far away so it it it, it means that it will take a long time in fact to to relocate all these people and to reconstruct their present and their future this is a tragedy for hundreds of families and in in a way this is quite different it's like in saltivka Saltivka, the the district in Kharkiv that we have visited before, and you can find another episode of our podcast about Saltivka also with videos. But let us, uh, there is one important element as to how memorize or memorialize uh, this, uh, this suffering. And for example, when we tweet something, when we when we show, for example, Russian tanks or these destroyed buildings or the monuments which were shelled, for example, uh, we see the, the the reaction by some of the uh, people all around the world who are saying, "Look, you have to preserve it as a memory for these atrocities." And I think really the the work of memory is very important. But uh, what we hear from the re- from, from the people. people who are living there. They don't want this, for example, multi-store building in the center of Borodyanka to be preserved as a memory. They want their housing. They want to get homes. Of course, they cannot get the, the people they have lost, but at least they can they can get the, the their homes. And uh, this is a very dramatic thing. So, of course, <laughs> when you when you see the strategy, well, the thing if if you live through it, the thing that you really want to do is to overcome it and to, to, to make a next step and to and not just see it as a memory sign. Let us also remind to our listeners that um, at that very moment about 22% of Ukrainian territory is uh, touched by this war, is occupied already by Russia. And we are not counting inside this figure Kiev region or Chernigiv or Sume. And if we build, if we, if we preserve everything, every destruction Russian army pr- produced here, it will be a huge part of our territory. Unfortunately, this is impossible. This will not take place and everything will be rebuilt. Apart maybe from some fragments, like for example, this bridge in Irpin, a very spectacular place, uh, in a spectacular maybe not the right word, but in a, in a way that many news agencies um, photographed it uh, during the evacuation process in Irpin with civilians under the bridge. So maybe in a way some symbolic places, but no more than that. So we cannot just afford to live in ruins for uh, to leave the future generations to live in ruins. This is impossible. But uh, let's also underline that uh, it is extremely painful for people to come back because we are talking about how people come back to these places. Many of um, uh, residents in Borodyanka, they left their village in the first during the first week of the war. Uh, the figures we were told that maybe two or three thousand people left uh, from 
16,000 so two or three thousand have states have states have states have states yeah so it means just a minority state other people they were unable to see what was happening with their proper eyes because Russian Russians Russian, Russian army when they entered they 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 forbidden everybody to 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 be in the streets so they were inside they were watching maybe videos as we did being far away as maybe international audience also did so almost everybody was a part and when you come to your place some maybe months ago months and a half ago after 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 the events so and you discover a different uh, face of your different landscape and different face of your village it's something extremely painful for most of people let's talk about about this a little bit so what does it mean to come back to to a town uh, a village which is destroyed what what does it mean because uh, for many people abroad many people abroad see this war of course as a pictures as, as some visual things well destroyed houses spectacular as uh, as some people say and we sometimes use this word which is i agree with you which is not uh, not at all an appropriate word for this and uh People are coming. We, we have seen so many, you know, situations when people are making say a selfie on these uh, on these destructions, and we ourselves, as as journalists with uh, with our little cameras, when we are shooting this, filming this, really, I'm I'm, I'm feeling kind of awkward. A, uh, awkward, or is a kind of a sacrilege here, right? Uh, as you, as you're touching upon a very very painful painful thing, and. Uh, we, we we all should remember that this is not not a cinema this is not a cinema this is not just just video in the social networks it, this is not something that you just scroll down and, and you forget about it so let's talk about about what does it mean uh, we have visited one interesting uh, topos one interesting location which is a temporary housing and uh, inside Borodjanka, in, which is built by 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 the Poles, uh, which is given by the by Poland, Polish a government. big uh, mm-hmm. Polish government, Polska Pomoc, uh, the help of Poland. Poland is is doing a lot for Ukraine, of course, right now. It's a country which accepts the, the biggest part of Ukrainian refugees, and um, and uh, this is this is a housing which is built uh, for Polish military normally. So this is something that you you construct very quickly. Uh, uh, the so-called mo- mo- module uh, houses. Again, you can you can watch the video for those of you who are watching on YouTube or who who follow our Twitter. And uh, if a person comes back, of course, uh, she uh, he, she or he is given this housing. Today we are talking about I think 180 people who are who are there, right? This this whole housing uh, is uh, designed for 300 something people, but we should understand I think it, it's very important to stress that it is just temporary uh, temporary housing. It cannot be considered as permanent housing. And just for you to describe what does it look like, it's is that for example. You enter a very little space with beds one above the other. Well, this is a very Spartanic conditions for the as military. As if you were in a train, by the way. The, the yes. first illusion I had, as if you were in the in the compartment in a train, in a sleeping wagon. So it looks like that. So it's quite quite tiny place in a way. 
during the summer we are approaching hot weather during the summer it can be very hot inside so uh, right now the the people who are caring about it are thinking about air conditioning how to how to buy a sufficient amount of air conditioning during winter if people stay there until the winter it will be cold so you need to establish something like heating or something like that and another problem here is that there are no kitchen inside so they have only one or two elect- um, electric waves so it's not enough for for 80 people for example in one compartment they have 80 people and only two um, two electric waves so it's not enough and how to feed people. So the problem is that you don't have your private kitchen. You have only your private, uh, let us say, compartment with four beds. And the, another question, another problem is that how to place people because at that very moment they are placing families inside and they have already 170 people, almost 180 people in this uh, city, in this location. But uh, if you want to put more people inside, you will be obliged to put people from different families into the same compartment. For example, you are living with your wife and with your kid, and you have the first bed, so you may just host another woman or man or whatever. So this is a question of privacy. This is a question of how you feel inside. So that's all right to, to spend a night in on a train or two nights in, on a train like that, but maybe that's not okay to, to spend weeks and months inside living close to, to different people. And some of the people who are living there uh, have uh, had their private houses. So imagine a person, a Ukrainian peasant, you can say, who, uh, who had had uh, a private house with a garden, with a little piece of land where he would, he or she would, you know, plant uh, trees or, or vegetables or potatoes. or potatoes or whatever. And now they are coming back and they are living in these module uh, houses, but only sleeping there. So the morning, early in the morning, they go back to the pieces of land, to their destroyed houses and taking care of of their gardens, taking care of their land. So Ukrainians are very attached to the land. It It is well known. And one thing that strikes us is when we go through the destroyed villages, and we see people, Ukrainian peasants, are working on their land and everything is so smooth, so beautiful uh, on their land. So they really seed something, you know. So they're trying to go back to the rhythm of their life. And yeah, it is also is, remarkable. Yeah, this is really impressive. And what uh, what we were told in this uh, in this location that people they only sleep, in fact, in this uh, module ho- housing because uh, normally they wake up early in the morning, then they they go outside to normally most of them they go to their private land, though how you call it, to their vegetables, to their trees, and then they come back. Uh, in the evening just to sleep and uh, about and they also have catering so let us also explain that there is catering at that moment Turkish catering so a company maybe a private company who agreed to to feed all these people so they are delivering this food twice a day at noon and in the evening so people from ev- everywhere in Borodyanka they are they can get this food for free so they gather in somewhere in the center of the, of, of the village they eat and then they uh, go to work and then they uh, come back to eat once again 
for supper and then they go to sleep in their temporary homes. But the problem is that the, this private Turkish company will not be able to do that during months and years. And soon or later, uh, it will be a problem with how, how to organize this canteen, how to organize this kind of food for, for people. And they are already discussing the possibility to organize this common um, uh, kitchen in, in school, which is close, close. In fact, this destroyed, not destroyed, but, 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 um, Uh, touched by 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 some shelling this school close to this site so they are thinking about the possibility to organize this common kitchen there but the problem is that the kids will have no place to go to school because they have no other school in the village so that's a problem and you are to choose and at that very moment the only um school which is still in place which is not touched by shelling you have everything there you have uh, administration city uh, village administration you have police you have all all state services and local services inside because there is no other buildings proper just to host all these services and the schools also become the places of volunteer work so uh, while we went to borodyanka we also do the volunteer work we We were con- contacting with the volunteers there. We just brought some some stuff, um, primarily the stuff, the, the the clothes, but also the stuff to clean everything. Because uh, uh, even if you're lucky enough that your apartment, your house is not, for example, not destroyed, there is lots of lot of rubbish, lots of uh, lots of dust uh, after the shellings. We can we can imagine. But the, the the life is really vibrant. So uh, we have talked to volunteers. Again, you mentioned kids, and it's of course the one of these impressions when you see kids playing on the playground just in front of these destroyed houses. But there is another very big pro- pro- problem uh, in such villages or in such towns. It's jobs. So there are no jobs. Why? Not only because of the war. But because of the fact that Russians are really looting Ukrainian uh, towns and villages, not only on the private scale as Russian soldiers, but on an industrial, let's say, scale. So they really come to a a a, a, an, a how to say it, a factory, mm-hmm. and they loot everything which is there up until up up. Uh, Uh, uh even 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 they they, they loot the the laptops they they mm-hmm. rob they they basically rob the offices they mm-hmm. they rob the factories and uh, and in Borodyanka, for example there was a tractor plant or something like that for agricultural machines and it was also robbed by russians and everything was destroyed and it is extremely uh, difficult to restart from the zero now because there is no money in the country and so you have to restart this this plant and a lot of people who were mostly Bardyanka became such a such a big village because of this plant because before that it was a kind of normal village without its multi multi-story buildings etc but now They lost their only plant, which was the center of this village. Uh, they also lost a lot of um, supermarkets, because supermarkets were also bombarded. And we met people, uh, we, we guess that they were working inside the supermarket. So there is no supermarket, it means that you have no job. As Or imagine, that. imagine you you have been working in the forest uh, for a wood industry, but in the forest right now, 
either there are, there are uh, mines, so they, they can be mined, so you have no access to there, or uh, Ukrainian army is, is still stationing there because uh, you never know, and uh, Russians can again make an assault from the north, etc. So, yeah, so th these are very long-term consequences for Ukrainian economy as well. I was impressed by his story of a young boy who stayed in the village because he was working in the farm um, and his girlfriend and her mother, they were able to leave uh, at the end of the first week of the occupation. But he stayed because, first of all, he had no right to go uh, outside the country and his girlfriend and her mother, they went to Poland and then they were back. He stayed and the objective was to save animals. So they stayed in the farm, they were taking care of their cows or whatever, the pigs, I don't know exactly, we don't know exactly what they had, but they were able to save their animals and their small farm, and this is a kind of very courageous behavior. Um, this so. is a remarkable thing, uh, another story of this war, how people, ordinary people, are trying to take, take care of the living creatures, of the animals, of, of cats, of dogs, of horses, of cows, of sheep, this is, I think that there are many things that should be should be written, maybe a literary text or, or cinema about this topic. And but there is another another element is how cruelty of Russian soldiers against people also is cruelty against the animals. So we we hear the stories how, for example, on the in the, they enter in the private house and they kill and burn horses. And they uh, kill, they burn for example, without killing them. So yes. it's even more disgusting. And, and they killed all dogs, if I'm not mistaken, in Bucha. At least a lot of dogs in Bucha, and their ping in Bucha. Mostly. And you ask a question, why? So okay, you you you're killing people because you're thinking all the Ukrainians are Nazis. But what about dogs? So these are big questions that we are still keep asking, and about about this invasion and uh, how cruelty also extends to not only to people but to living creatures and other living creatures and uh, on the other side how also the humanity and the empathy and the sympathy also also goes to other living creatures i think we will end on this uh, this was our story what does it mean to come back to a destroyed town destroyed village uh, we we have told you a story about only one of them, but there are, of course, dozens and dozens of others. And our message to you is simple, is that uh, it's, it's not a cinema, it's not just pictures. Uh, behind all the house, destroyed house, there are human lives, and many Ukrainians are coming back right now to their homes which are not existing. And therefore Ukraine needs, of course, uh, help in this way as well. This was a Explaining Ukraine podcast uh, by ukraineworld.org. Ukraine World is brought to you by Internews Ukraine. This uh, series of podcasts about the war, uh, we are making it together with uh, Ukraine Crisis Media Center, Tetyana Harkova. My name is Vladimir Yermolenko. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, uh, uh, wherever else. Uh, listen to our podcasts on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, SoundCloud. 
we really advise you to subscribe to our YouTube because we are posting lots of videos of, of our travels and of our reports. And you can also support us on patreon.com slash Ukraine world. We, sp we spend very big amount of your donation to help people affected by this war on humanitarian aid and to help Ukraine, Ukrainian assist, uh, resistance. So stay with us and stand with Ukraine.